Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Welcome into another edition of Brewcast here on MazeandBrew.com. Anthony Broom here with Chris Castellani. Luke Giardi is not with us this week. And as you can tell, I sound like absolute ass. So we will do the best we can to push through this one. Obviously, there's always a lot to talk about with Michigan when you're relevant, as relevant as they are in so many sports. As we record here, Michigan baseball is playing at Stanford. There's always Michigan football stuff going on. But we're talking basketball today. And before we get into that... Um, I'll bring in my co-host here, the the host of the Locked On Tigers podcast. Been doing a fine job there, and, and our co-host right. for what? God, what is it? Two years now. So Chris it's come, I think it's about two years now. Yeah, yeah. Welcome Thank back. You. Yeah, all right. It's been we we've been trying for the last couple of days to find a you know for a way for all three of our schedules to kind of overlap so we can record. I think uh, professionally, uh, all of us are being kind of spread pretty thin right now and thankfully we're able to find time to record and I think it's important because I think Michigan basketball for seemingly the seventh time this year has finds themselves on another crossroads um we have the as predict Michigan to me has been a microcosm of the entire Big Ten conference you have zero idea what team is going to show up you're still not sure necessarily how good bad or great they are there seems to be no correlation between what team's going to show up one game and what team's going to show up the other. Michigan was playing some pretty darn good basketball there for a minute. They lose two games last week, one at home against Wisconsin, one on the road against Ohio State. Two frustrating games uh, after some really good defensive play against Rutgers and Purdue. They 
became a team that was giving up a lot of three-point shots, a lot of open threes, especially a frustrating week of Michigan basketball. And I think a lot of us are, are still rather uncertain about where where things are, where this team is going to end up going forward. I mean, we're still, Michigan only has two games left in the Big Ten tournament. They, or I'm sorry, in the Big Ten regular season. They could still be, I think, as high as a five or six seed and as low as a nine seed in, in the Big Ten tournament and poss- probably in, in the NCAA tournament as well. So a lot of question marks still for this uh, remarkably inconsistent basketball team. <laughs> remarkably inconsistent. Um, yeah, that's the way to describe it. Which also would describe our schedules this week. So pretty uh, much, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is. I think I've said this on here before, jokingly, but this is legitimately like my Jordan flu game. So bear with nice. me. Um, you ever feel so like? So I've, I'm dealing with a cold right now, and what it is, like, I don't know if it's the lack of oxygen to the brain because of you know, stuffed up nasal cavities, but. You ever have, are you ever so sick that you just like feel like you're walking around drunk? Yeah, no, where you, 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 no, totally. Where you have entire days where you just don't remember anything you did. And it's, it's, it's a cross between feeling drunk and being on autopilot. Like I'll have days where I'll work and I'll be sick. And because I'm, I just have the muscle memory of knowing how to do my job. I'll be able to do all the exchanges and everything that I need to do, but I won't remember anything. So no, I know that feeling, man. It's brutal. Yeah. yeah. But so I'm hosting a podcast. Great thing to do. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about Michigan basketball here. This will be a Michigan basketball centric episode. Two losses right. last week, uh, obviously at home to Wisconsin, 81, 74. And then on the road Sunday at Ohio state, 77, 63. Um, I wasn't as bothered by the Wisconsin loss. Now that was a home game. It was a projected Ken Palm win, but right. And, and honestly, like we'll talk about what there's a common thread between these two games, but um, mm-hmm. just talking about that game first, when you have a guy like Demetri Trice who goes off the way he did, I think he had 28 points. He was five or six from three. Every time Michigan had an answer in that game. And, and I think, you know, with two to three minutes left in that game, they had it, down to it been, been up to double digits a few times. They got it all the way down to two. And, and it was sort of like, well, honestly, it's been like a lot of the games that Michigan has lost this year, especially at home. Every time that they go on some sort of run, the team that, that they play is, has counterpunched. And, you know, right. for as, you know, a lot of times, fans on social media. And I, and I realize Twitter's an echo chamber. It's not reflective of what most fans um, feel about the team. Commenters aren't the most accurate reflect, reflection of what people feel right. about our team. Um, but it was one of those games where, listen, like sometimes some people just lack the capacity to give credit to the other team. And right. Wisconsin has been one of the hotter teams in the big 10. They've won six in a row, you know, as of our recording here tonight. Um, it just, it just, it's simply, I, f- I feel like I've tweeted this out a few times. It simply just be that way sometimes. Um, yeah. So that Thursday game didn't bother me a ton. Sundays did a little bit more. Um, and again, it was say what you want the team when, when they get, they do fight, they were down, they, they fought back. But then at the end of the game that the floodgates kind of open, the thing that stands out to me as the common thread in both of these games. And I don't even know if it's, I don't even know if I can call it a concern yet. And I think I've said this before too. 
anything that happens inside the vacuum of one game. Well, first of all, I should say what I'm going to. They couldn't defend. They haven't been able to defend the three point line to save right. their lives. They didn't have Eli Brooks on Thursday. He was back on Sunday, mask and all. The result in terms of that defense, I mean, coming into Thursday's game, they were the nation's 17th ranked or 17th most efficient defense on Kempom. In the span of four days, they fell 11 spots to 28th, which that might not wow. seem like much of a drop, but in a couple of days, in, in, two, in two basketball games, to have drops that significant is um, – <laughs> significant the word was right. there. Yeah. The, the word was there already um right so I, that like i said things that happen inside the vacuum of a game are one thing things that happen two games in a row that's you know that's a trend if they come out and might be getting a little ahead of myself here if nebraska torches them from the perimeter or is making shots from the perimeter or those you know michigan simply can't get out there sometimes guys are going to make shots whether the defense is good or not but what we saw last week were was michigan struggling to get to the three point line to even defend if we see more of that that's a that's a habit and that's a bad habit in a a time of the season where you know forget big 10 title forget big 10 tournament heading into march because this is a tournament team that's those aren't habits that you want to start developing and that's I think where my biggest concern is right now. I I agree with all that completely. This team, uh, and I think I think Wagner or uh, Franz Wagner talked about it a little bit, and it was reiterated in Brendan Quinn's article after the game that this team needs to stop get back to not taking possessions off, which I think we saw against Wisconsin, where you know they would make they had several runs where they cut it within within five, sometimes within three. And then would give up a quick run right away, and it seemed like that entire game from the jump they had to fight their way back. So I agree with pretty much everything you said. There are a couple um, things that kind of stuck in my stuck in my head over these last few games, especially the Ohio State game, which was a weird game. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I, I pointed this out in my post game. I thought they played much better in the second half, despite being outscored by more points. Like just by virtue of the fact, I thought the defense was relatively better. You have to admit, Ohio State made some ridiculous shots, especially in the second half. I mean, they banked two threes, you know, the type of stuff that just doesn't seem to happen to this team uh, or, or that doesn't seem to happen when you're playing anywhere else except at home. Um, but there were two things I noticed that stand out. One, uh, Isaiah Livers is not healthy. And I, to me, especially with an ankle injury, one of the first signs that a guy is is lagging is that first he's getting beat defensively on first step acceleration. Uh, and I, you saw that a lot. He picked up four fouls on Sunday, which is unheard of for him. And a big reason for that was he was getting beat off the dribble. And he's never been a player who's been a poor defender. In fact, he's quite a good defender. And offensively, we know he's an insane athlete. We've seen him, you know, jump jump out of the gym and throw down on people. You know, yeah, he got he, injured. He's hurt himself do twice it. doing it. Yeah. Well, exactly. But even so, we've seen it. We saw it against Florida last year. We've seen him do it several times. He does not have that explosiveness right now. And this won't happen because, uh, you know, there is some gamesmanship involved here. I think uh, it may be best to maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not start him against Nebraska. Maybe bring him, have him in as an emergency guy. And I understand, you know, you want to respect your 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 opponents. Nebraska just lost at home to Northwestern. I, if Michigan can't find a way without 
Isaiah Livers to beat Nebraska, then they aren't going to be going anywhere anyway. Uh, and I just, I think you, he is as good as Franz Wagner has been the last couple games and as good as Xavier Simpson was, especially on, on in the Wisconsin game, scoring 32, surpassing his career high. You need Isaiah Livers at close to full health being your best offensive weapon. I genuinely believe that. I don't see this team winning more than one tournament game if the offense doesn't run through him. And it, we've seen Wisconsin, as much as, as frustrated as they were getting by the performance by Xavier Simpson on uh, against them, you know, scoring those 32, they were letting him drive a whole lot. And Michigan this year is 0 for 5 in games where Xavier Simpson attempts more than 13 field goals. The other teams, as good as he is as a player, Xavier Simpson, the scorer, is not as dangerous in terms of winning a game as Xavier Simpson, the pure point guard. As much as I love him, I think that's that's a fair assessment. The other thing that's bothering me, and I feel like I've been kind of picking on this guy a lot, and I feel bad about it, I do. John Teske has taken a step back in the second half of the season. And I think for the most part this year, Juwan has done a pretty darn good job of maximizing players' talent. Eli Brooks has taken a step forward. Wagner in the second half has taken a step forward. Johns, DeJulius, Davis have all improved substantially from last year. The one guy to me who has taken a step back this season from where he was uh, has been John Teske. John Teske, I think his problem, for one, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have the ability to create his own shot. This is an offense that, uh, you know, requires great athleticism, which uh, unfortunately is something John Teske doesn't have. Which and all that would really wouldn't bother me that much if he was dominating the offensive glass, which in general is something that a seven foot one center should do with relative ease. And he has three rebounds in the last two games. <sighs> now you look around the conference, you see a lot of big men who stuff stat sheets, whether it be Tillman or Garza or Turu or Williams. Take your pick. I think the lack of, of uh, production on the glass that Michigan's getting from John Teske right now is brutal. And, you know, you think back to, and I understand different circumstances, where Michigan's season turned around in 2013 was the decision by John Beeline to say, hey, look, was the decision by him to take a three-year starter in Jordan Morgan, put him on the bench, and have Mitch McGarry start and it turned their entire season around. It was the main culprit, the main reason why that team made the national championship. Austin Davis is not up Mitch McGarry in terms of upside, but I feel like considering the minutes he's given him, if you want to make some sort of drastic change, I think that's the one you have to go to. I think because right now you can't keep getting dominated on the glass. As many th- open three pointers as they were given up on on Sunday, they were getting dominated on the offensive glass as well. And I think that's something's going to have to give. And if making a change at center to start the game is what it's going to take, I'm all for it. Cause I think right now that they're, they're just kind of stagnant. Yeah. Um, do you know what the, the last game that John Teske had double digit rebounds in? Could you name it off the top of your head? Off the top of my head? No, I was about to look it up. I would say, uh, 
I'm gonna. This is a complete guess. I would say the Purdue game against the not in the the first Purdue game simply because that game went to two overtimes and he got a lot of minutes. So he had nine rebounds in that game. So you were okay, kind of close. Uh, yeah. You actually watched this team play tonight uh, when they lost to Penn State at home. He had eleven rebounds. Um, okay. Yeah. Nine points, eleven rebounds. His last four games. Let's see. Math is hard. Yeah, four games. One rebound against Ohio State. Two against Wisconsin, five against Purdue, four against Rutgers, and we'll we'll take it to a fifth game. Seven against Indiana. Um, since the Louisville game, he's only had one double-digit rebound game, and that was the game that we just mentioned. Um, right. The regression from John Teske, and I think this is why I hate Twitter sometimes. Um, I tweeted out during the game on Sunday. You can't really see it on the stat sheet, but John Teske is playing better. What that should have said was he looks a little more confident offensively. Um, he did. I think that might have been cold brain or flu brain or whatever you want to call it, um, sending that out. So I should have clarified that because I got ratioed a little bit for it, which happened. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I, I think at this point, I think th- there's not going to be – and again, if there's going to be some kind of breakout for John Teske, it's going to be when they get out of the Big Ten and play in the NCAA tournament, when maybe things are a little less, I don't know, pressure packed. Like, I say less pressure packed, but um, you know, it's pretty clear at this point he's he's not he's just not as good as the other bigs in the Big Ten. Which I didn't. I, I thought of all the things coming into this year that you could be pretty confident about, given Jawan Howard's history working with big men in the NBA and you know, being a former big himself, I thought that this offense would kind of run through John Teske. And yeah, and I think ideally that's what they want from the position. And that's why I think that people are kind of maybe sleeping on um, Hunter Dickinson a little bit coming, you know, for as good as that class is next year with the top end talent. I think that that's going to be a guy that winds up being very important um, in terms of, well, I'll let you, I'll let you go there to, well, no, I just I'm looking at some of the numbers right now, and going back to your point about you know, Juwan helping big men, how we thought that that would be you know a, a step in the right direction for Teske. It's helped Austin Davis. Mm-hmm. Austin Davis has taken tremendous steps forward this year, and Austin Davis has developed a semblance of a post move, which on which right now, outside of that you know that kind of forced you know throw it over his head hook shot, isn't what Teske has right now. But early on in the season. You look at Teske's numbers, I mean, 19 and 15 against Gonzaga, 18 and 10 against Louisville, 16 and 7 against Illinois. This was a guy who was playing some good basketball. I don't, um, my, in my personal opinion, my guess is that stretch that we talked about where he went up against Williams and Tillman and Oturu and Garza and got bullied. I think that just did uh, whatever the opposite of wonders are for your confidence. <laughs> it just, I think that knocked him on his feet. And I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily recovered from that because he looks like a different player and not in a good way. And I feel bad for him. This is his senior year. Yeah, I, I do feel bad. And and I think, I think I have a solution somewhat similar to what you laid out, but because I'm, I'm going to do the Ryan Seacrest tears here or tease here. Uh, we're going to tell you guys that after we take a quick break here. So right. <laughs> join us uh, here in a minute or so here on Brewcast. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back here on Brewcast talking Michigan basketball. Anthony Broom here with Chris Castellani. We were talking about the bigs and John Teske and how we see that playing out moving forward. I think there are a couple scenarios in play here. And, and I kind of teased a somewhat of a solution. Um, and you're not, you said something about starting Austin Davis, shaking it up. Here's my thing with Austin Davis. I kind of don't want to mess with a good thing that they have going with him right now, because what he's giving you is kind of what John Teske was giving you early in his career when he was coming in and giving you some good minutes, you know, here and there when Mo Wagner was still at Michigan in an expanded role. I mean, he's not, listen, I mean, he, he, I love Austin Davis and he's a good dude and he's put in a lot of work and a lot of effort here, but the guy runs like he's got a piano strapped to his back. (laughs) This is, this is fact that guy getting up and down the floor and playing defense, um, you know, especially against some of the athletes in this conference at the position, I'm not going there right now. And I think here, here's what you do. I, I don't know if you straight up bench John Teske and I've been calling for this for weeks now, because like I said, I really do think this slump has been going on. You could argue since the Louisville game um, or since the Illinois game. I think that we should see more Brandon Johns at the five. I think that that gives you a, a bit of a better chance to stretch the floor, yeah. run the floor a little bit. Johns brings good energy. And, and I and I understand too, like with these energy guys, the guys like him, guys like David DeJulius, you want that with your second unit too, because it's kind of a shot in the arm if things don't go well to start the game. Um, but I feel like when you go back, you look at the totality of this season, the body of work so far, I think you can make the argument that Brandon Johns is one of your best five and to go, I would, I would be interested in seeing a lineup that features, you know, him, him livers at the four Franz at the three, basically just the one for one swap. If not start, I don't care. Starting starting is a title in basketball now. I'm looking at right exactly. Yeah, that's um, so. I'd like to see those minutes split up a little bit more, and maybe it's one of those things where, like, we go back to football here. Jim Harbaugh says all season, you know, I think we're close. I think we're close. I think we're close. I'm not necessarily saying that Juwan Howard has said that about John Teske, but you know, I, I do think to a certain extent they're kind of they know what he can be. It might be one of those things too, where you just get into the NCAA tournament, and and we're talking about a guy, and he and Xavier Simpson, but you know most notably uh, Teske, these are two of Michigan's most winningest players of all time, and they've been 
on deep runs in the tournament, maybe muscle memory just takes over and the flip switches and, you know, all this, you know, you know, steel in your spine, building a callus to go back to using Harbaugh quotes uh, for basketball. Maybe that's just, maybe a, a switch will get flipped. We've seen that with Michigan guys in the tournament before. Yep. Um, so you see it very often with seniors too. I, I mean, we remember Zach Irvin was driving us nuts our, his yeah. last year or two at Michigan and was just kind of really in the latter part of his senior year, we were just kind of looking at him as a guy who was, yeah, you know, he was an all right player, you know, you know, kind of, uh, he's going to, he accumulated a lot of stats, a lot of buckets, but at, you know, provided some great minutes in 2014 off the bench, but he was, maybe he was just never that good. And all of a sudden he was the, you know, the stud of all studs in that 2017 run. I mean, became a, a, a tremendous piece to that big 10 tournament championship team. Maybe that'll be the case with Teske. And like you brought it up about, you know, with the comparison with Harbaugh saying they're close, clearly Jawan still believes in John Teske, not just because uh, they're, you know, they're giving him the minutes, but they're still giving him the ball very often. They've started each of the last four games by going down low to John Teske. To me, that means that Jawan believes that they can set the tempo in a game if if the offense runs through John Teske. Is he right? Well, we're going to have to find out. He's been struggling too much to really for us to really have an answer to that question, but it's very clear that they still believe in him. As much as I brought up the 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 intriguing idea of starting Davis, I fully acknowledge it's not going to happen. The John Teske is the starting center here and is going to be for un, until this season is over. Can I get your live reaction on something here? I'm just scrolling through Twitter. I was I, listening, but you know, kind of scrolling. I think I know what it is, but go ahead. Karis Levert just dropped 51 points and yep. 36 in the fourth quarter in overtime. Right. I what? I just tweeted I just tweeted out. You know, Good Lord. First of all, awesome for him. Now, a player whose tenure was cut way too short because of injury here. But I just tweeted, you know, I remember in 2015 and 2016 when Michigan was really struggling, you know, didn't didn't even make the NIT in 2015, barely made the tournament in 2016. And thinking, you know, man, it can't all be because Karis Levert is out. It was. I, I it the I don't think we realized how good he was uh while he was here. And he's uh earned that contract in the NBA, and it's awesome to see him producing. Is he thinking about it now off the top? He is the most successful beeline player in the NBA, right? He's gotta be. Uh, I mean, I would Tim Hardaway Jr. has had a nice career, but I feel like I've tweeted a lot more about Karis Levert having good nights in the NBA than I have Tim Hardaway Jr. So that rules, man. I I love. Remember, he was such a little he looked he he was a little beanpole when he first got there. Totally. Yeah. The dude is the dude's a player now. Kyrie who? Kevin Durant who? Exactly. Yeah. Man, Um, how good is that team going to be next year? I'm just, you know. I think health, you know, second and third fiddle coming back. So who knows? We'll exactly. But, uh, let's pivot back here. Um, I don't know how much more I have to say. Uh, you know, you look ahead to this week, Nebraska, that should be a win. Um, Maryland, it will be a tough task to win there on the road, but um, Maryland tends to choke this time of year. So I'm not <laughs> necessarily have already, <laughs> um, you know, a couple weeks ago, they go win at Michigan state. You're like, Holy crap. Like, Maryland is actually in the driver's seat. Nothing could possibly go wrong there. Um, narrator, it, it went wrong. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, no thoughts on 
Michigan State, Cassius Winston. I mean, all of a sudden they've won four in a row and they might they might just go it looks like they might just go out and win the Big Ten like they were expected to anyways, which is insane given where things were a couple couple weeks it's ago. It's been it's been Izzo's weirdest team. And this these last couple games, and really I was with all Michigan State teams, I give them I am more patient with them than any other program. I won't I won't call them dead until the last second. And I, dude, I had my fi- the the finger was on the the trigger about to send tweet eulogizing them after the first half of the Iowa game, and I think they saved themselves in the second half. Shut down Garza, relatively shut him down in the second half. Played their best game of the season against Maryland. Had an amazing comeback tonight against Penn State. And in all honesty, this this has been the weirdest season ever in the Big Ten. And there's a lot of okay teams. I don't. There's eight ranked teams in the Big Ten right now. It wouldn't shock me if fewer than two made it to the second weekend. I think the one team right now that I don't want to face is probably them. I mean, they're playing at a very high level. They finally are looking like the team. I never bought into the whole preseason number one thing. I, I didn't. I didn't think that that was uh, reasonable. I think there was still a lot of several question marks in my opinion that should have prevented them from being number one, but they are playing like the team finally that a lot of people thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Um, Let me give you. So earlier this year, um, coming into the season, I did a kind of a Kempom 101 for Maze and Brew and just kind of look, you know, just kind of a baseline what things mean and things like that. And something that I had found was more often than not, um, outside of like the two Connecticut teams that have won the national, t- really the, yeah, the two Connecticut teams, the 2011 team, 2014 team, more often than not, if you have a top 10 offense and a top 15 defense on Kempom, you're like one of the teams that is in the mix to win the national title. And this year, where things stand as of tonight, let me pull up Ken Palm, some live radio here. So right now there are two, there are currently two teams that are kind of like right on the edge of that, or two teams are safely in that. So Kansas is Ken Palm's number one ranked team. They've got the eighth ranked offense, the number one defense. San Diego state has the 10th ranked offense and the seventh ranked defense. So they're pretty safely. Those are the two that fit that criteria right now. I don't know how I feel about San Diego state, but, that's what the numbers say. So we're adding them to the mix here. Duke is kind of right on the edge of that. They have a they're the eleventh ranked offense, ninth ranked defense. Michigan State is right there too. They're they're at the twelfth ranked offense, thirteenth ranked defense. So they put together a couple of clean offensive games. Um, the numbers, I'll give you a little secret. I filled out my bracket using that like idea last year, and I think I came in like fourth or fifth place. So. I don't know how that's going to apply to this year because I think things are going to be pretty wide open. And obviously, like you saw with Michigan, like they, you know, talk about right on the edge of being a top 15 defense. They were 17 and then four days later, they were 28. So you string a couple bad games together and and things can change quickly. But going to the tournament right now, there's there's four teams that pretty safe that are kind of like right there in the mix there. It'd be Kansas, San Diego State, Duke and Michigan State. And if the Ken Palm trend holds one of those four teams will win the national title. All right. That's good stuff, man. I didn't I didn't know about any of that, but uh yeah, that's 
That's impressive. Yeah, and like I said, they're outliers. Connecticut in 2011 was 19th on offense, 15th on defense. Uh, 2014 Connecticut, 39th in offense, so definitely an outlier there. 10th in defense. Um, but more, yeah, I mean, uh, the Villanova team that beat Michigan 2018, they were the unsurprisingly the best offense in the country, 11th on defense. So um, I will see if I can – I'll put this story in the description and see if, you know, just for reference, but – yeah, something to keep an eye on. Um, that's kind of, uh, you know, cut me, cut me in on your brackets if you – oh, I should say too, Ohio State is kind of there, sort of there too. They're the 15th offense and 17th defense. Baylor is Kempom's third-ranked team. They're 16th on offense, fourth on defense. So um, got to be a top-10 offense is, is the takeaway here. It's happened yeah. every year since 2014. So that's all I got. Those are fl- those are cold brain thoughts as we close out the show here. Do you have anything else to add, Chris? <laughs> I- I'm good, man. Yeah, I think we're I think we're good. Cool. Um, well, Chris, why don't you let the people know where they can find you on social media and elsewhere? All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two O one four. There, you'll find the links to everything. Uh, you can follow my other podcast at Locked On Tigers on Twitter. Uh, my, uh, if you want to see me on Instagram as well, that's Chris Castle 95, C H R I S C A S T L E nine five. Uh, please follow me on all those platforms, support my podcast, support maize and brew, and it would be much appreciated. Thank you. Sweet. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom. You can follow the website on Twitter at maize and brew. Uh, there's a new podcast tab on the website where you can find all of our shows right there on the website or on Apple Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, subscribe, get us wherever you get your shows. All kinds of new stuff, new features added to the site. Check out the the homepage, the navigation bar. Have a little tour there for you uh, to kind of explain what's come. So a lot of cool stuff on the website. Um, Baseball, softball seasons in full effect. NCAA tournament, Big Ten tournament on the way. Spring football getting started on March 17th. So that's going to do it for us. I'm going to go slam some NyQuil. We'll talk to you again next time.